right, welcome to the Real Talk Podcast, another impromptu episode. Uh, this is your host, Mike Brooklyn, and I have the return of Christine Olivo. So, Hi, so, thank you yeah. for having me again. <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Um, this is really just like an update episode because because I, I know we just posted um, the episode last night about Ahmaud Arbery and, you know, focusing on justice and everything. But there have been some updates since yesterday um, where you notified, you notified me last night after we did the episode that Gregory and Travis McMichael were actually arrested. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is good. I mean, I'm glad they were arrested. Um, you know, it's long overdue. Should have been done a lot earlier. But at least they did get locked up. Um, but one of the updates... Um, as of today, um, I was actually on Facebook and I saw that the attorney and the activist, uh, Gerald Griggs, who I follow on Facebook, um, he's a really, you know, he really seems like a really cool guy. Um, he does a lot of good work, but, um, he actually went down to Brunswick, Georgia, where Ahmaud Arbery went jogging that day in February. And he spoke to neighbors that were there that day um, on Satilla Drive, Holmes Drive, and Buford Drive, uh, where anybody who knows about it, sorry, sorry, just had a dry throat, Um, but on Holmes Drive, I believe it was, which is where um, Gregory and Travis McMichael tracked him down and shot him. And ultimately killed him. Um, but it was neighbors there that he spoke to. And they all said that, you know, the views of Gregory and Travis McMichael and what they did is not a reflection of their community. It's just of those individuals. So obviously the community there doesn't feel the same way that Gregory and Travis McMichael did. Because they also said they really haven't heard about any robberies that were committed there. They said a couple of times there was a car or two that was broken into, but it wasn't anything major. So that's other lies that were being told, <laughs> you know, that there really wasn't any robberies. Um, so, I, I mean, you what, know what, what do you all think of about this, that so far? Yeah. Well, you know, first let's go back to the fact that they were, they finally apprehended these murderers last night. Uh, two and a half months after this this whole ordeal took place, let's just be very clear. Those two men would still be free today had it not been for the media attention that was given to this family, had it not been the push that the community, I mean, letters, phone calls, um, hashtags, people getting out there and and demanding justice for this young man's life. Had it not been for that, had it not been for the video surfacing, for for someone actually having a heart and saying, you know what, this is actually really disturbing, I need to turn this in, we would not be having a follow-up conversation right now. Exactly. So so, so now let's, let's track this. So you, you, you tell me that this activist, this attorney, goes and speaks to the people in the neighborhood and they don't feel the same way that these gentlemen felt about, about you know, 
um, the burglaries and about what was going on in the community, that just goes to show that this is they're just trying to cover things up. They are just trying to cover things up. This is not a reflection on their community. This is a reflection of their own personal hate. Yep. And mm. they went out and they hunted this young man. I listened to the the nine one one recording. Okay. I listened to the nine one one recording, and I was I was disturbed because after you know the dispatcher is asking them for their location, and they go completely silent. It, it was almost as if they were only putting the nine one one call in to cover their bases. They were never planning on giving. A location. They were never planning on giving any information towards it. They just wanted to. For me, this feels premeditated. Oh, I definitely believe it was. Yeah. You know that 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 wouldn't surprise me at all. the The only thing that really kind of shocked me a little bit was the fact that the neighbors told Gerald Griggs that um, the police didn't even speak with them. Like didn't go around and interview any of them, which, I mean, police officers, their main job when they get to a crime scene is to try to find any kind of witnesses that they can find. That means if they need to, knock on doors, see if anybody heard anything, see if anybody saw anything. Um, This is a former police officer. This is one of the homies. Let's just be real right now. They, They have a code. There is a brotherhood. Of course they're not going to talk to the neighbors. They're not going to get any evidence from the car. They're not going to, you know, look on the street to see, you know, tire tracks. They're not going to do any of that stuff. This is one of them. Yeah, because that's the other thing, too. Gerald Griggs walked past the home of the McMichaels and even pointed out that he said the truck is right there. So... That truck is a crime scene, you know, because that's what they that's what they were in when they tracked him down and murdered him. They said so. The crime scene has never been secured; it's still in the driveway. Wow. Yeah. So I mean that that so what you're saying is true. I mean, like they, it smells it smells like a cover up, like they like as if the police were hoping that this would just go away. You know, which is not. You know, you know what I. And I, I mentioned this last night, or sorry, the last episode, when when we were speaking with Scythe Supreme, or Scythe Supreme, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to be hip with the lingo here, okay, Scythe? Um, but he, he mentioned that he, he, it was because of his family, that's mm-hmm. how he was able to get, get out of being framed for something that he didn't do, um, and... I just want I just want to make this very clear to everyone out there listening. We have to be the family behind the voices that are unheard. We have to stand up as if that is our brother or our sister. Because the more that we remain silent, the more people get away with things. And one person, I'm sure Ahmad's mother 
did not know that she would have an army of people behind her. She has been screaming from the rooftops, I'm sure, since February 23rd, begging for justice for her son. And everyone in this country stood up and said, you know what? I have your back. He's our family now. That's what we have to do for every single case. It is like like a pipe. When you put enough pressure in a pipe, it will burst. We have to be that, that, that lifeline for these young men and women that don't have a voice, and we need to stand up. We need to say something, and that's how we get things done. This is how we get things done in 2020. Social media, um, uh, you know, hashtagging, all these cool, trendy, modern things that people are like, oh, my gosh, I don't even know where to start. Well, guess what? <laughs> Figure it out because this is the way to protest moving forward this is how we do it a lot of things are online nowadays yeah like like you know like a lot of things are involved with twitter facebook instagram um that's where a lot of people are bringing their activism to the internet (laughs) the wi-fi you know all that shit um before we used to only have maybe one person that was an activist that everybody would look towards but now we have hundreds of leaders that are accessible right there at your fingertips if you have an issue if you have a problem reach out because we are ready to fight we are done we are tired we want to be able to run we want to be able to barbecue we want to be able to go to school go to church we want to be able to do everyday things without being hunted down and murdered like animals yep and and i mean you you got podcast platforms out there that if you know you want to do an interview with somebody to kind of get the voice out there i mean like i'm one of them like i'll do an interview with people like for certain you know issues that they may have you know i'm willing to do it but there's other people out there that will be willing to talk about it too so this way the more it's talked about the more it's put out there you know the more it doesn't just get wiped away and forgotten like what the police down there in Brunswick, Georgia were hoping to happen. They were hoping that shit would just disappear, go away, you know, and then their buddy can go free. But it's like, nah, like, the more we keep talking about it, the more it puts puts them in a position in which they gotta act. You know, but my other concern is where is the federal government in the middle of all of this? We need, we need extreme reform, extreme. And, and I say reform because it's not just police reform, because these guys, they, were not, they weren't officers. Yes, the, the father was a former officer, but at the moment that this happened, they weren't. We, we need to, to change the, the laws on a federal level stop this nonsense from happening and to stop this nonsense from being uh, just brushed under the rug. Exactly. And, and this needs to be at the forefront of policies. This needs to be what we're talking about. The thing that's frustrating right now to me is that the only things that we talk about on a federal level are things that are going to bring us money. But forget money. Exactly. What about common human decency? What about saving lives? We are not a country without our people, and if our people are being murdered at, at high rates, then, then how can we turn around and 
oh, liberty, land of the free, the, you know, we, we can't, we can't defend this anymore. Somebody's got to do something, but it's got to be on a major level. What, what was the last time we signed for, what, 1965, a civil rights act? Um, well, let's revisit that. We, we, we need to make some amendments. We need to we need to really look at enacting another civil rights act. <laughs> because obviously people have figured out loopholes. They figured out how to how to get away with with abusing and abusing their hate and taking people's lives. And not just taking people's lives, locking people up. You don't just have to take somebody's life by by killing them. You could take somebody's life by putting them in jail for something they did not do. Yeah, and, and you're absolutely right because, like, you know, the federal level might be where this case needs to go because Georgia on the state level is actually dropping the ball big time because the USA Today even reported that both Gregory McMichael and Travis McMichael will not face a hate crime charge because Georgia is still one of the few states without hate crime prevention laws, you know, which means that these guys can go out, they can hunt somebody down based on their skin color, kill them, and even if they do get charged with murder, there's not going to be the hate crime charge attached to it. You know? So, I mean, Georgia's dropping the ball on that one. So, I mean... No, Georgia's not dropping the ball. You know, people always say, oh, the system's broken. No, 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 no. The system was set up this way. They, They were prepared for things like this. They know what to do and how to use these loopholes. Let's not be ignorant. Let's not say, oh, no, they... They're missing this, they're missing that. No, they want you to think that they're missing something. This is intentional. We have to be very cognizant of what is going on in our judicial system. It is intentional. And we have to be 10 steps ahead of them. The only way that we are going to win this moving forward in the future for our children, for our grandchildren, we need to be 10 steps ahead of them. Yeah, but at the same time, if this was New York, California, you know, something like that, like, the hate crime charge would be attached to it because it's obvious what their reasoning was behind it, you know? Of course, the hate crime charge would be attached to it, but we're talking about Georgia, we're talking about the South, so they intentionally don't have those hate crimes, but they know the people that are in their in their state. So once we leave, once we leave these these laws, hate crime laws, once we leave that up to the state, the state gets to govern based off of their people and their people's needs. So what I'm saying is Georgia is intentional in not in not being in not having hate crime laws to to enforce in this case. It's intentional because they know that in the South, racism for them is almost a way of life. Wow. It's how they were brought up. And, and, and for some people, racism is almost embedded as, as a faith. As a faith? And, and I know that it's, it's sad to say and people don't want to admit it, but a lot of people use the name of God to avenge their hate. Oh, wow. That, 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 may, that makes more sense now as to why... Um, 
whoever it was that I, th- I think I think it was we spoke about that like with the GoFundMe thing and they were saying whoever did it was saying that they're people of God or something like that like you know on the yes. on the thing and it's like how how are you gonna call murderers people of God that 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 doesn't even sound like it goes together. It doesn't. It doesn't. But you have to understand, a lot of people manipulate the Bible. They manipulate these beliefs to get everyone on the same accord and, and, and avenging, oh, well, you know, these people are wrong. They're, they're stealing. This is a thief. We've got to get rid of them. We are soldiers of the Lord. We've got to, we've got to handle this. First of all, when I tell people, number one, God doesn't ever need you to do his work. He's God. He doesn't need us to do that. Number one. Number two, it is not our job to take somebody's life. So whenever somebody's saying that, oh, they were doing the work of the Lord, this is not, match it up with love. Because the work of the Lord is love and acceptance and understanding. That is the essence of who God is. God is love. So I I, I tell people, be very wary about the things that you read and and you believe and, and the things that you just sort of immerse yourself into because you could be being manipulated in a way where you you don't even know and all of a sudden you're believing what they're believing there's no justification for taking somebody's life somebody that was just jogging in the neighborhood there's no justification for that and there's no way you can attach faith to that there's no way you can even attach a crime to that he didn't have anything on him there was no evidence of a burglary. He didn't even have a weapon to break into a house. Nope. And the neighbors so, even said that the neighbors even said like they had no idea of what was going on with any burglars. They they like they haven't heard nothing. What I encourage everyone to do start researching things, figuring things out for yourself. Stop believing everything you hear. And start finding the truth out for yourself. And, and, and number one, black people are not all bad, okay? Nope. The color of your skin does not make you an automatic suspect. Stop thinking that. We need to start reshaping the way that we look at people. Stop clenching on your purse when you see a black man walking down the street. We need to uplift our black men. They are strong. They are wonderful. They are intelligent. They are lovers. They are givers. They are providers. These are these men. We need to stop looking at our our young black men, our old black men as criminals. Or or as, you know, just... We need to stop looking at them with the eyes of fear and start looking at them with the eyes of love. But that comes from sharing a message of love. Yep. Because, I, I mean, I, I know personally, like, from when from when I was a child, like, my like my school that I went to, um, after school, I would go to the playground. This is, like, probably when I'm, like, 9, 10 years old, something like that. And to be honest with you, like, the black kids from my neighborhood were the first ones to, you know, let me get in on, like, a basketball game or a football game with them. But, like you know, the white kids from the neighborhood that was, like, next to it, you know, they, they'd be worried. They're, they're like, oh, you know, you, you ain't from where we're from, you know what I mean? Like, you're not from our neighborhood, you're from that other neighborhood, you know? So it's like, 
you know, granted, like, New York's different. It really goes more so by neighborhood than it does by the color of your skin. But, I mean, that's just what it was. You know, like, you know, the black kids would hang out with me before the white kids would. <laughs> you know, so, wow. like, so, like, you can't really judge somebody based on their skin color. It's just what their character is, you know, how, how they're going to interact with you. You know, I mean, that, that, that's just I my am point terrified as a mother, as a mother of two black boys, and I, well, my little one, my two-year-old, he favors my husband, so he's actually pretty fair-skinned, okay. but he's got an afro, right? So he's like this little white-skinned white kid, whatever, with, a, with an afro, but my four-year-old, he's more my complexion, and I, I have four brothers, Every night I go to sleep just praying to God that things will change. I do not ever want to get a phone call. My heart goes out to Ahmad's mother who had to get that phone call that her son wasn't coming home. And to all, all mothers out there who their child was a victim of a hate crime and their child did not come home. My heart breaks for you, but know that we are here behind you. I need everybody to really put themselves in the shoes of the family members. How would you like it to, to get a phone call one day that your loved one was targeted and murdered? I mean, really, we need to start having empathy as a nation. We have lost that. And everything's always black and white. Oh, well, you know, he had, a, he had a criminal background, so there's a possibility, you know, that he could have been doing something. No, 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 He was a human life that was taken way too soon. Let's start there. Yeah, no, I mean, um, my, my family got that call about my cousin back in 1998. Um, wow. You know, you know, I mean, great, like, like, he was dealing drugs in the wrong area, um, you know, like, but he was shot and murdered like like he was shot five times and the last bullet was you know the the fatal shot so um we yeah we we got that call and i mean my aunt who was his you know mother like her her reaction was she cried but i was like 16 you know i wasn't you know, really, you know, I was going through through my 16-year-old, like, rebellious stage where, you know, like, I, like, you know, getting into fights and shit like that. So, my first reaction was rage. I just didn't have, I just didn't know who the person was to take it out on, <laughs> you know, and luckily, yeah. luckily for that, or else I wouldn't be having this conversation with you right now. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Yeah, but, but, but I mean, that that's the thing, like, I know what it's like to lose a family member over gun violence, but... I mean, to step into the mother's shoes, that's really hard to do because I, I remember she even said something to the extent of, like, she brought him into this world so she couldn't sit down and watch the video of him being taken out of it, you know? Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I think those were her words. I mean, don't quote me exactly, but that's what I remember, I think, her saying. So, so where do we go from here? Exactly, but um, my, my condolences to the Arby family. Um, yes. You know, unfortunately, he was taken too soon by two racist bigots. Um, 
you know, but, but but yeah, I mean that that that's what I've gotten updated on so far. Really, um, the the main thing that bugs the hell out of me is that they won't be getting a hate crime charge. But I mean, hopefully they do get charged with, you know, a murder charge that carries a life sentence because that that's what they deserve to do. Well, uh, apparently today is is Ahmad's birthday, and um, they everyone is asking those that can to run 2.23 miles for Ahmad and you just, you know, you put the hashtag I run with Maud, M-A-U-D. Um, so I got my kids ready. <laughs> and that's what I was saying, you know, I have a, um, I, I know we were doing this, this episode, but I got my kids ready and at three o'clock, we are going to go for our two points. 23 mile walk. I'm gonna be honest, okay? <laughs> I'm gonna be honest. I'm walking it. Yeah. But um, I, I'm gonna do it in honor of him. Oh, okay, no doubt, no doubt. Um, yeah, I, I might I might go do that too. I mean it's been a couple of days since I exercised and I was on a good exercise routine for a little bit, so well, if you do, just they're asking, just put a, a quick little video or something, and then you you put the hashtag I run with mod. Okay, no doubt. Yeah. Whew. All right, but, but yeah, I, I do appreciate you doing this update episode with me. Um, just wanted to get it out there, so this way people know that you know the neighborhood that attorney and activist Gerald Griggs walked through. Um, all the neighbors, you know, they literally said it's not reflective of them, um, but it is reflective of those individuals that committed the crime. Um, also, that uh, the neighbors did say that the local police did not speak to them, um, and yeah. the truck was not secured, which the truck is the crime scene because that's what they tracked them down in. Um, and that was still in the driveway of the McMichael home. And like I said, U.S. Today reported, said... They won't face a hate crime charge only because Georgia is one of the few states without a, a hate crime prevention act, which does need to be done for the state of Georgia. And I guarantee you if Stacey Abrams had won the election, she would have done it. Yeah. You mean if Stacey Abrams didn't have the election stolen from her? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, because Kemp was in charge of voter registrations, which is beyond me when he's running for the seat and he's in charge of that. Like, it makes no sense. But, yeah, yeah, but, but that's exactly. a nice story. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I actually want to um, give thanks to those neighbors that are that are telling the truth. Yep. That are not hiding behind you know this this vicious crime. That they are stepping up and telling the truth. We need more people telling the truth. Don't be afraid. We have your back. Exactly, and I do thank attorney and activist Joe Griggs for being out there today and being able to walk through that neighborhood and actually speak to the people because, you know, I mean, there's a lot of people that could just be doing something else today, but he was actually down there doing some good work um, and being able to get out there with the people. Yes, I need to connect with him. Yeah, um, he, he's on my Facebook. Um, I, I actually did, did a watch party on the video, so like I shared it. <laughs> nice, nice. I'll check it out. Yeah, no doubt. Um, 
but yeah, I do appreciate you coming back on the show. Um, I'm definitely more than willing to have you on again in a future episode when we have more time to get into other topics. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for doing this and really getting the truth out to the people. You're awesome. Definitely. And um, add her on Twitter, everybody, Christine for Congress or Christine for 24. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Twitter, Christine424, um, everything else, Christine for Congress. <laughs> yep, and at Mike Brooklyn on Twitter, um, I'll be sharing a whole lot of stuff. <laughs> All right, All right, so, right, peace out. Go for that walk. Definitely, you too. And um, next time, real discussions, real opinions, real talk.